Welcome to episode 5 of Crossplay, the video game club here on Vox Radio, DKT Student Radio. My name is Owen, and if this is your first time listening, Crossplay is the show where we look at news, announcements, and rumors surrounding video games, but ultimately come together to talk about what games we've been playing recently. And for that, I need people joining me. Today with me, I have returning, as usual, Mr. Boy Rogers. How you doing? Hope you have a lovely day. And uh, our usual quarantine buddy, Mr. Joe Mahan. Hi. <laughs> On second thought, Joe can leave. Damn. <laughs> See you, Joe. It was nice knowing you. You will never remove so the disembodied head. How are you guys doing? We've been on a bit of a break. Oh, just gaming, keeping alive, gaming, the usual. I know. Yeah, fighting off the usual zombie apocalypse horde. As usual, video game news seems to be the only news not suffering from uh, COVID lockdown. You will never kill the nerds. Starting us off strong this week seems to be our, um, what appears to be weekly Call of Duty news. Weekly. Yeah, I mean, it comes up constantly. Weekly. It'll never stop. Apparently, the next Call of Duty uh, title coming, which was recently leaked would be 2020, is titled... Black Ops Cold War. Uh, Activision confirmed a new Call of Duty is coming this year already, but hadn't shared details. But according to a tweet that has since been corroborated by the website Eurogamer, this year's Call of Duty will be called Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Which means another Black Ops, but it's also going back to where it started, which is interesting. Uh, it'll be the fifth main game in the Black Ops series, and the first one to go back to its original time period since the original Black Ops, because the series has gotten progressively more futuristic over the years. Like, I'm pretty sure in Black Ops 3, aren't you basically part cyborg? I, I can't remember if 3 was the one where we had Kit Harrington. No, that was Infinite Warfare or Advanced Warfare. Uh, I'm just kind of sitting here being uh, like, so does that mean I get to go around killing a lot of sleeper cells? Because, like, we're not talking a full-on war, so unless they send you off somewhere like Iraq, which wasn't even yeah. there for that time period as, like, a big yeah. war zone, so it's like there'll be no big mm-hmm. massive raids in, like, the open area, really, will there? Yeah. Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Well, obviously, we don't know a lot in a minute. We just know the title. Um, Bowie, to answer your question... Uh, Infinite Warfare was the game Kate Harrington was in. Ah, okay. It was in that period there was so many Call of Duty games I, I kept getting them mixed up. Yeah. I always, get, I always get Advanced and Infinite Warfare mixed up. I know Troy Baker and Kevin Spacey was in Advanced Warfare. Oh. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about Advanced Warfare. <laughs> uh, the Black Ops Cold War name first appeared on Twitter by leaker uh, Okami13 and Eurogamer has since reportedly heard the same news from its sources. Uh, this means that, a lot like uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which came out last year, um, Triarch is going back to where Black Ops started, much like how Infinity Ward did with Modern Warfare. It's a big change from how they've been going currently, obviously, uh, especially with the third and fourth installments, which were super futuristic. Uh, the Cold War thing has already been teased in Call of Duty Warzone, uh, with apparently reports that um, the game might be like fully revealed through Warzone. Uh, little things like there's been a Cold War spy plane glitching through walls, and apparently there's all these... I haven't played Warzone in a little while, but apparently recently 
there's all these like vaults showing up in the map that people have to figure out how to get into. The original Call of Duty Black Ops was set in the 1960s and featured missions during the Vietnam War. And it was a landmark release for Treyarch. So if this is Cold War, it could be interesting what it could do because it could make it kind of slightly stealth based. Not like, not like stealth stealth, but um, a lot more kind of tactical or opportunity for stealth, kind of like what Modern Warfare did. Like espionage or straight up stealth? I feel like it would be a good match with something like how how you're advised to play through The Last of Us whenever the clickers are around. Yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah I see that. that. I mean, I was thinking more along the lines of the, like, the uh, more recent Call of Duty where it was a case of, like, I mean, you ta- can technically go in and running and gunning. You're probably not going to do the best, but it's possible. But, like, it's not perfect stealth. It's just more kind of, like, caution and tactic. But, yeah, no, that... I can see that too, Joe, yeah. I think it would be way Maybe. better. Just, like... Limit your ammunition, uh, only mm. try and only use silencers and all that, so it would mainly be primarily more handguns and stuff. If you're spotted, I'm, there's an alarm. Whoop, whoop. I'm also potentially thinking of, have you either of you guys ever played um remake of GoldenEye that was made for the PS3 and three, Xbox 360? No, I only ever played the, the original GoldenEye. The, the yeah. one with Daniel Craig? Yes. I, I, I've heard of it. Never touched oh. it. It was like, it was like a thing that just came up and then never showed up again, because it was it, it was very meh. Eh, I wouldn't think it was meh. It was well received. The issue, it, it was actually, it was so well received. It was originally a Wii game that got ported to Xbox and PlayStation. Oh, I did hear about oh. this version. Yeah. The I too of my 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 whole childhood was the original version, Joe. But um, apparently. Um, the reason that a doesn't show that the original doesn't show up in like the rare replay collection, and the reason they never did anything more with was because apparently the rights to that game are really tangled up. That rare technically own rights to the game, but it's also wrapped up in the film franchise rights and in the actor likeness rights, and it's all, it's all just a big spaghetti mess of who owns what and what owns who, and it's. To the point where I think Rare said recently, yeah, we'd love to remake the game, but it probably won't be able to happen because the rights are a mess. It sounds like the rights for that game are more complicated than Disney's ones used to be for Marvel. Oh, probably. Probably. Probably, yeah. Because you got the rights to the film, considering it forms a film story. You got the rights to whoever's the likeness of Bond, because I'm assuming the person that likes to Bond is tight, whoever the current actor is, because they made Daniel Craig Bond for the 360 version. To get to my point, there was a section of the game where you had to go undetected, otherwise it would swarm your enemies and basically they'd massacre you. But then there were sections where it's like, hey, you can do this entirely stealthy if you want. That's not to say you can't easily do this in the middle of a shootout. And that's the kind of gameplay I'm kind of thinking they might be going for. Feels very snake eater with that tone, if you ask me. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That kind of, not, I don't quite say a spy kind of game because I'm not thinking like Metal Gear Perfect Stealth, but that kind of tone and then a more of a even, you can go either way. Like Joe said, Last of Us kind of system for combat. But most of the missions would probably be like, oh, retrieve the briefcase or check out what is on the storage of the ship. 
that kind of stuff you know where typical stealth missions would be yeah probably that yeah i'd say or like yeah even like okay yeah uh okay this can't happen plant these charges and fuck off well like to be honest we all, end of the day we all know they're going to put most of their priority into the multiplayer oh easily yeah. oh yeah definitely so it's like they'll probably do these fun little gimmick stuff for the main story missions and then it's just going to be absolute war zone in the multiplayer I've been to say as well because I've heard from people that apparently um, the last few Black Ops the zombies have been getting progressively worse in it and obviously the zombies is people things up and people love so I'm interested to see if the fact that they're going back in the time period will that make them kind of almost like revamp it or kind of reinvent it or even bring it back to more of the roots of what it was that people enjoyed more the roots uh, please and then the second piece of Call of Duty news Call of Duty Season 4 new operator could potentially be Captain Price uh, it was first reported by Eurogamer. The teaser, it's a teaser um, that began from a message from the Call of Duty app saying that some sort of meeting would take place on the 21st of May. And then on that day, Activision sent an email linking fans to a page on the Call of Duty website that included a video. And the video showed what looked kind of like, if you imagine CCTV and kind of surveillance footage, um, and there's a few voices talking like... Uh, uh, Laswell and some Russian voices and then there's a picture of Price like his face obscure because he's wearing his hat but it's Price so they've obviously and they've, they refer to him just as the senior operator Um, so obviously he's going, he's, he's definitely important at some point well he's important to Modern Warfare anyway but considering the teasing like this it's highly likely that the definitely the next and if not the next following Battle Pass but I'd say the next one because it, it comes out in June 2nd so, I considering that the last two battle passes they put out Alex from the campaign of Modern Warfare and Ghost from the original Modern Warfare set trilogy. So, it's highly likely to be like, hey, yeah, we can't not put Price in. So, it'll be interesting to see because the way that battle pass works is you get the character just by buying the battle pass and then getting to the final level get you an unlockable skin for it. So, a Ghost, it was him with his hood, the hood of his cloak up. And then it was down for level 101. But then for Alex, it was weird that buying it got you him in like a bad cloud with a pair of goggles on so you couldn't see his face. And if you wanted to version him with, where you could see his face, you have to get to level 100. So I'm interested to see what they'll do with price. They could go either way. They'll probably do the hat thing where it's like his hat heavily obscures his face like a shadow. Uh, maybe, or what they they could do, if they go the same way with Ghost, could just be that he's wearing a hat and the one you get, and if you want one without the hat, you get to 100. The nice thing is, too, though, is if once you get unlock skins in the Battle Pass for anything, um, you then unlock challenges to complete with that operator, and if you unlock those challenges, you get variations on that skin. Mm. Uh, so there's a character, uh, Roden, he's a Russian, he has... Um, there's one outfit he has where he's using a pair of like jeans and a like a like a short sleeve baseball shirt that's burger time or not. Um but a variation you can get in that from the challenge from that then is you, it's him just in a, a regular grey t shirt. If you don't like the whole like the baseball kind of decal kind of look. So it's interesting. But uh yeah, so it's looking likely that price will be the next operator they add to uh Call of Duty. Well that's pretty cool. Hmm. I'm waiting to see, like, a team of just, just Price and Ghosts running around a map. Ah, uh, 
true modern warfare gameplay uh are you the addict on my team are you the price on my team no <laughs> no but well, i'm no, here's ghosting thing, you yeah here's the thing as well though is you, you can't just pick anyone on both sides the there's two separate sets of operators for each side so both sides can't be like price which would be hilarious but you can't do that you basically pick two operators one for each side and then, that, and then when it loads you in depending on which side it loads you in on that's the operator you play as oh uh, okay it's been so long since I played a Call of Duty game that I just this was actually the first one I played Modern Warfare I've never been big in Call of Duty before this and I kind of attribute that to also being the fact of um, I was used to uh lads in like second school being like oh man cod cod man oh yeah man cod it's be it's, it's, it's it's the best man so that just put me off it the last one i played was modern warfare 3 i think i think the last one i played was black ops 2 i remember black ops 2 coming out i there, there was there was a lad in my school who took two days off the day we did today came out just to play it what he had, like, triple prestige by the time he came back in. What a man. Uh, I couldn't. No, I couldn't sit and play for that long, but evidently he did. Like, that um, takes all the fun out of the game. Yeah. Um, And in one last little quick bit of Call of Duty news, um, there's been another Polaris update to Warzone. Um, for once, they haven't removed anything. But what they have added is um, what they call... Battle Royale Trio's classic, which me, which is the Battle Royale, but uh, there's no cash, there's no contracts, there's no gulag, there's no loadouts, there's no respawns. It's just traditional battles. Because basically, hey, everything that makes Warzone Warzone, no, it's just we're going by like standard traditional original Battle Royale rules, which is interesting. I haven't tried it yet, but it sounds interesting. Normally how it works is that um, uh, you can collect cash and then at certain points you can bring back players who have died or you can use it to uh, buy loadout drops or kill streaks or things like that and then obviously the gulag is the first time you die you can if you win the gulag by killing the other guy you come back so none of that is interesting and the fact you can't get your load up the loadout drop is very interesting because nine times out of ten the last people alive all have lo their own loadouts so the Final Fantasy VII remake busts sales records. I mean, it's it's not a surprise, but because like after twenty years of anticipation, everyone knew the Final Fantasy VII remake was going to be big. But in its first month of NPD sales, it's it's just shown how big it is. It, it's the top seller in North America for the month, and it set sales records as well. Uh, according to NPD, which is the National Purchase Diary, they kind of they just they take all the like. Uh, statistics of um purchases and wholesales and labor costs and basically they did the basis work out like how things are selling for, in all markets someone's um, gonna do it yeah yep. exactly uh, now, is that to the npd is that the statistics yep. including the online sales like through the playstation store it's all sales of the game it can it's counting like say the say price people are buying like stores are buying it to resell it or websites are buying to resell it it's taking all into account Okay, I was just... I know sometimes they are... I remember hearing before that sometimes they don't include the PlayStation Network's uh, store. No, this is across the board. Cool. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. So according to the NPD, the Final Fantasy VII Remake is already the third best-selling game of this year to date, just behind Call of Duty Modern Warfare and Animal Crossing New Horizons, respectively. It's already the top-selling game of the year on PlayStation 4, and it's noted that set a Final Fantasy franchise launch month record, taking the title from Final Fantasy 15. So rest in peace, my sweet love, Final Fantasy 15. I'm sorry, but 15 needed to lose that title badly. <laughs> okay, okay, Joe, hold up. First of all, I will accept 7 being it. Second of all, do not say that. I, w I will... Chapter I will 13. Look. Look. I acknowledge we that. We do need to look at chapter 13. It was a great Look. game. Then that chapter happened and everything went downhill. And you can't Look. use the DLC as an excuse for it being fixed. I'm not using DLC as an excuse. Personally, DLC is great, except the Arden one. Wasn't big on that one. But, not the point. Yes, I agree. Chapter 13. Ugh. Not great. Story, still great. Ending of the story, still good. Gameplay up to that point, fantastic. I'm not saying it couldn't have been better. I'm not saying I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it didn't need to be. It definitely did. Can I say one thing about better. the gameplay from when I was playing yeah. 15? Okay. I didn't realize until maybe my second time running through the game when the DLC was there that you could hold the attack button and it just kept going. You. Well, that sounds like a you problem, Joe. I think I just went to Final Fantasy with the Kingdom Hearts mindset and just kept button mashing. That makes sense. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I used to do that anyway, purely because of the fact that I just like doing the teleport attacks. I was doing so teleporting as well. It was just like, I thought the main attack button was just repeatedly tapping. I didn't realize you could just hold down the attack button and he just kept going. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's something, it, it, it's probably more helpful to mash it because I'm sure there's probably either, it's either slightly faster or leaves it more open for like link attacks. Yeah, because I just, I... Got on fine the whole way through when I was just mashing. But yeah, so uh, no surprise, Final Fantasy VII Remake, breaking records, doing big things. We all seen it coming. And then, coincidentally, considering that you guys brought it up earlier, uh, Last of Us 2. Uh, devs warned that you'll miss entire story moments on the first playthrough. Does that mean there's going to be multiple paths you can take? I wouldn't say that. The impression I get is I attribute it to, you You know how in the first Last of Us, um, there were certain things you could look at and interact with and it would prompt a conversation between Joel and Ellie? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that, but they're just going slight, they're just going a little bit bigger on that idea. Okay. So you're getting the, you're, you'll All get right. the story playing through the game, but you might necessarily have the full context or something like, oh, that explains why this happened or that explains why this happened. It gives new meaning or new light things, I would imagine. I suppose, well, they're also re encouraging replayability. So. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Uh, God of War kind of did something similar where, like, you play through the first playthrough and there are differences by the time you figure out everything. So you play it through oh, yeah. and it's just, oh. But that was more like, it was like different things like phrasing and the way things were kind of like cinematically done for cutscenes and the likes. That right. once you understand everything, it was kind of more, you realize the perspective shift. It's like perspective shift nearly. But I do see your point, oh, though, yeah. yes. Yeah, you are, you, yeah, I imagine that's the same kind of idea. Like, oh, you'll see this, like, extra bit in your second playthrough and be like, oh, well, then now that completely changes how you look at this part. 
wonder if the Firefly is still going to be present in any way, shape, or form. I haven't noticed them in the trailers. I... They may be mentioned. I would say maybe mentioned. I honestly haven't... Um, obviously, I can't play it because I don't know the PS4, but I haven't looked into anything about the game at all. Like I haven't looked at trailers. I haven't looked at anything because I, I want to be able to either eventually play it or, or watch someone play it and go into a blank. But uh, yeah, so The Last of Us Part 2 will feature level designs that are even more open than in the first game. And due to this, there could be entire story moments, scripted sequences you might miss. The game's co-director, Anthony Newman, revealed this in the newest Inside the Gameplay video for The Last of Us Part 2. He said, In this game, we've gone so far in making the level design open that there are actually entire story moments, new combat encounters, full scripted sequences that you may completely miss. And there are things that we feel like, even though a portion of our player base may never see these things, the fact that when you do encounter them, you'll feel like you discovered them. It lends them this charm and this magic in that sense. I think it's unique to games that this happened that this happens because it's because it's what I did or the place I explored, so it's unique to my gameplay and it's unique to me. It's also revealed in the video that there are not enough resources in the game to allow you to fully upgrade your character in a single playthrough. The developer is intentionally denying players resources to help increase the attention you feel relating to its survival theme. And also, so your second playthrough, you're just a god. <laughs> mm. Well, if it's New Game Plus, that is. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sounds pretty similar then to the original game, because, like... Resources were minimum as all hell. I don't think I ever went through the game with full health. I could be wrong, but wasn't the difficulty in the first one? It wasn't didn't change how the enemies behaved. It just gave you more stuff. Yeah, I think that's how yeah. it works. I think it was like so, like where you wouldn't find bullets, where you might find one bullet, you'll get like ten. Like it just really gave you more stuff. As a, it doesn't actually change the enemies in the combat. Yeah, it just kind of depend on how you survived, and the enemies yeah. uh, would just be true to the same routine. Yeah. So the lower the difficulty, the more resources. Yeah. Yes. I believe so, because I remember I, I, I was watching, because obviously Troy Baker, who voices Joel, him and Noel Nort were playing the game not too long ago together. And he was, um, they, were, they were playing on easy so that, because he hadn't played in a long time and Nolan had never played it. And uh, he, he kept joking about sections that were far easier than he remembered because they were playing on easy. That because of the fact of yeah, I, I had no bullets here, or I wanted to conserve bullets. Whereas now we were like we're like maxed out on bullets. Yeah, I don't think I was ever maxed out on bullets either. Like I, I only think I was playing on normal, but like either I was Ours a really a bad jump. shot, or they were very very stingy with the resources. Uh, probably a bit a bit of both because again, oh, it's definitely it's the a whole bit of both. Kind of survival and scavenging team. Um, also, they really did encourage stealth, even though they're like, hey, you don't have to play stealth. Yeah, there, there was definitely stealth sections for you to just try and get through. And if you get spotted, well, tough luck. Here's here's actually a question, my question then. Games that allow you to, like, oh, you can stealth this, or you can go in guns, clubs, maces, whatever, blazing. Um, are you guys a case of play it how you want or do you believe no I, this is how it should be played because this is how it was made with the idea in mind it depends on the game I'm playing yeah it really depends so the likes of The Last of Us the first one The Last of Us I definitely do stealth because I feel like you get a better experience out of it right oh yeah, yeah. you can definitely conserve more and kill like, more enemies 
it's an action game, but it's a horror game at the same time. Because mm. it's got those elements Chris, there. I know there's a lot of people. I just, just curious, I know there's a lot of people who. Sorry, John, go on. No, I was just saying you got a better experience with the stealth, with the horror and stuff. Yeah. Just, I know there's a lot of people who. Like the people who do like to say put on easy and just go running in, guns blazing. Dylan is one of them. Um, there are people who are there who are like, oh, you can't do that. It's not waiting to be played. You can't do that. No, you're meant, you're meant to stealth. You're meant to stealth part. Like, I don't understand people who are like, who are like that. But I know I know it also depends on the game and how you appreciate someone else for a game. So if there's someone who's played through the game on a higher difficulty, like 100% stealth, and they'll enjoy stealth games, it, it may look like that to them, I guess. Like, there's, there's the way that they play or in a way that they know kind of it's... It was created within mind, so that's the kind of way they feel like it has to be stuck to. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, the old Assassin's Creed games. Like, the older versions. Where you were definitely more suggested to do stealth. I just yeah. kind of ran into all the buildings and just killed everyone straight up. <laughs> oh, so did I, more or less. Yeah, but have you tried that with the... Have you tried that with the first Assassin's Creed, though? Oh, that one's just bad. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't really... F you can fight through everything, but it's going to be difficult. I think I saw okay. something recently about the first Assassin's Creed. Sorry to sidetrack and bring this topic up. About, like, the developer of the first game added in side missions literally two weeks before the game's release. Because his kid played it and thought it was the most boring thing he'd ever played. Huh. Huh. And I, I can't remember where I read it. I don't think the first Assassin's Creed's bad. I feel like a lot of people attribute it to being bad purely because of the amount of the amount of the next games after it added. Oh, I thought it was bad just because of how repetitive it was. I kind of thought it was That's how bad because like, I, I was on the Brotherhood and Assassin's 2 Creed train. So, like, when I got to one, finally, there was a huge contrast in combat and how you um, stealthed your way through everything. So, it was just, I like... Think... Yeah, I played two first. I think everyone I know has done that. I played one first. I made a point of playing the first one first. I just... Someone got me, too, and I just played it, and then I went back around the time of Revelations and played one. Huh. Yeah, which, which, so I can understand why you thought it was a bad game in that light. But I think in terms of progression of games, one is not obviously one's not a bad game because it made it, it made it, it made a series out of it. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of games, actually, it's a pretty good segue, Joe. For something you just randomly brought up, uh, Microsoft's secret weapon for next gen is actually Xbox Game Pass. Microsoft uh, came up short against Sony in terms of the current gen console sales. Um, you know, Microsoft did, did yeah, PlayStation easily like dominate this generation you could you can argue and say that xbox probably picked up a lot of ground and some people i know people who are even like hardcore playstation players who will say that xbox exceeded towards the end of this generation especially in terms of like their backwards compatibility and game pass and things like that i would also agree that ps plus a lot of times seems to give away better games than games for gold sometimes as wasn't the last month horrible for ps plus what was? Wasn't like trains? Yeah, there was trains and city skyline, or is that this month? That was this month. Yeah, they they they'll do it every now and again where they give like a month or two of really bad games and then give us like some great games because 
Yeah. This month was Skyline and stuff like that. And then last month was like Uncharted 4 and stuff. Yeah. Whereas you get three from Xbox, but um, they tend they, they tend to go and be a, a mixed bag what you get. And one of them is always also an Xbox 360 game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, huh. but yeah, yeah so yeah. so many estimates uh, state that um, the PS4 actually outsold the Xbox One by a two to one margin, which is huge. Uh, and there's a, a lot of reasons for that. Um, I mean, Microsoft was strong in the 360 era, and then around Xbox One, they announced a lot of things that fans and me were like, no, we don't like this, like internet check-ins, uh, a lack of their, their back to compatibility support, and the fact that they bundled the Kinect with every system, which meant the console retailed for $500 at launch, which is $100 over the PlayStation, which PlayStation are now in the same situation going into the next gen with the PS5, which is funny. Um, so yeah, the Xbox One had huge launch struggles, and it was hard for them to recover for a long time. But uh, now Microsoft are working to put themselves in a very strong position for the launch of the Series X and the future. Uh, in a 2019 interview with The Verge, uh, Phil Spencer uh, said that the business isn't how many consoles you sell. The business is how many players are playing the games that they buy and how they play. I think it's easy to judge um, from the outside the health of main business are, are around how many consoles the company sells, but in the end, it's how many subscribers you have to the likes of Game Pass or how many people are buying those, how many people are paying for gold. Those are the bare metrics because that's your monthly and yearly money constantly coming in. How many people are playing your games? Which I can I can understand. I, I, I would also argue you still need the console for that, but I can also see the logic of a hundred people buy your console and have a game each and play it so often, but you then get fifty people who buy a ton of games and are always playing it and have all your subscriptions. You're making the same money. Mm. You know. Um Microsoft hasn't announced a price for the Series X yet, but a company is expected to lose money on every unit they sell and make up the difference with revenue from software services and subscriptions. The future of gaming is about establishing a wide install base and creating an ecosystem where people can connect and play together no matter what platform you choose on. Xbox Game Pass unlocks the first step in that vision. Phil Spencer had boldly claimed that Microsoft intends reaching the 2 billion gamers in the world. But that's an impossible goal if there are for people to own a games console. It won't happen. But with the likes of their um, Game Pass Ultimate, so you can play your games on your PC... And with cross-playing games. And so, yeah, especially with the xCloud. The xCloud uh, is scheduled to be integrated into the service layer this year. Which means once the xCloud becomes full in the Game Pass, Microsoft will actually be closer to what you could compare to being the Netflix of games, in a sense. Currently, uh, Xbox Game Pass subscribers have to download games, obviously. Um, where it's PC or Xbox. And some of the file sizes for games are... Over 100 gigabytes. Halo, Master of Collection being one of them. Uh, Red Dead, I think it's close to that. Now Red Dead 2 is in there. And especially next gen, those files are probably getting bigger again. So it can be a long process to install these games, but by integrating with the xCloud, which is a stream service, you can just pick up and play them. And just, just it's 
you can just pick and play any game you want, and that's going to increase the market for Xbox. Like, Microsoft will still primarily want to sell you the console, and of course they will for like the next decade or so, but the thing is, they're, they're, I feel like they're hoping to get to a point where it's, especially with the amount of companies and game companies they're buying, it's, you're paying for their services and their games, and that's going to be their primary moneymaker. You're not going to need specifically this piece of hardware to play this game. They're um, really definitely getting closer and closer to the whole computer computer gaming. Yes. Now, here's my issue with the likes of xCloud. xCloud's a streaming service. That's great in paper. If you're in, like, Central Europe, if you're in America, that's fine. I know for a fact that here, no one has the internet speed to stream a game. Oh, God, oh, no. God. No, no, no. No. Definitely Central Europe, 100%. America, probably depending on who you're with. Here, not a chance. That's not going to work for any of us. No, it's going to be dodge as fuck. Yeah. It's, it's going to yeah. be like, like... so. Nah, it's just... It's all well and good saying, oh, streaming your games, that's fine. There's going to be input lag, there's going to be horrible quality, there's going to be game itself lag, it's... You know, general porting issues. No, that's not going to be good. Yeah, I... If I could buy an xCloud tomorrow, I wouldn't, because I know it won't work. Same reason I wouldn't buy a Steam machine. <laughs> not, not that we'll bring up that topic, because good job, Valve. Good but, job, Val. Yeah, it's just like it sounds great on paper, but then it comes to the whole actually the actual execution of it in the end. They're not thinking about the larger picture of some setups in certain areas for certain players. Exactly, but it's, I suppose on that logic too, that's why it's a case of well, then you they'll keep making the consoles. You buy the console. Yeah. It's a case of like. I feel like especially what Xbox has been saying when they announced Series X, their big thing is having multiple levels to get as many people being able to play for what they can afford to pay. So your console will still be a thing. You then have your X Cloud if you want to ignore downloads. You then have, say, your PC if you already if you if you want to go that far and build it up and use your Game Pass Ultimate to get your games there. They're really trying to broaden the spectrum of how you can play our games. You use our services. So it still feels like to me this is one of those situations where you're nearly being punished and being made pay more depending on where you live. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, that. sounds sounds yeah. like a very EA thing. If they could just pinpoint your area and cost you on that. Yeah. The. Yeah, I can see that, and yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Um, I would imagine that the X Cloud would be a little bit for people with a higher price point anyway, purely because of the fact. Like, I'm pretty sure they said to stream games in like they were like, oh yeah, in order to stream in like H like games HD, like I think it was like 720, 1080, you'll only need like um. 30, uh, 30 gigabytes uh, a second download speed. And I'm like, I get about 10 on a good day in this apartment. Gigabytes? Gigabytes. Get out of here. Megabytes. Sorry. Megabytes. Megabytes. <laughs> I was about that. to say, I only get like 10 megabytes. <laughs> yeah. On a good day, I get 10 megabytes. That ain't happening. 10 gigabytes is a dream. That's what you get in like, 
Middle 10 gigabytes were boarding to the Matrix, Bowie. <gasps> the sheer excitement in Bowie's voice. <laughs> I love that. Oh, to have That's 10 like gigabytes. A, that would be like internet speeds for like a full dive system. Yeah, I was going to say, Bowie Bo just had flashes of Ready Player One in his head. He was like, yeah. No, I had a flash of just like pressing a keyboard and then that's the game. That's the game downloaded. Oh, damn. That that's would be Ready Player One? Yeah, pr probably. If I had a VR set. No. I don't like no, the no, suits. See, I, give me, I, I, give me, like, I know it's a bad show, but like, uh, Sword Art Online, give me that system and I'll be all for uh, I agree. And I will, I will also defend, like, not to get the version of that, I will also defend Sword Art by saying, First arc is solid. It's not anything amazing. It's solid. Yeah, fair. the gun stuff was solid. Solid. Ending before and after that, eh. Fair, fair. Now I actually. Yeah. Also, I have heard that the new they've been making a third season. Apparently, that's not as bad. We'll see how it. Quick question, Owen. Actually, since it's been dubbed uh, the Netflix of games, is it since Netflix does originals? Do you think it's possible to like make indie games or just like make games for the X Cloud? Um, wouldn't they just be Xbox exclusives anyway? Yeah, yeah, I'd say just Xbox exclusive because I imagine the X Cloud won't be specific. The X Cloud isn't specific to Microsoft, right? So I imagine it'd be PlayStation games on there too. It doesn't matter what you're paying. The oh subscription yeah, exactly. To. But like, say you know, since it's such a wide uh, variety of games and people who can access it. Wouldn't it be optimal for people to just put their um, games in partnership with xCloud or Microsoft? Wouldn't people already use Steam for that though instead? I mean, only if it's an xCloud exclusive, if you get me. Okay. xCloud exclusive. Um, xCloud exclusive. That's an interesting idea. I'm not... Please, no. Sure. Not more fucking exclusives. I mean, it'll be exclusive to the exclusive... It might be good. Okay, uh, I stand corrected. I'm a very dumb. The X Cloud is Microsoft specifically streaming service. Ah. Uh. Yes, I am very stupid. I I got mixed up in my head because I know I, I think for some reason in my head I had Stadia in my head, and I don't know why because I know the Stadia is failing horribly or has already failed horribly. I've heard nothing from it um, ever since it came yeah. out. Yeah. No, it's it no, it hasn't done well. But yeah, so the xCloud is Xbox specifically uh, cloud streaming service. Uh, so yeah, that makes more sense. Its exclusives will be Xbox exclusives. Okay. I'd, under so I'd understand that. the Xbox exclusives, but like, you know, people can optimally be like xCloud original, which would be, like I said, the exclusive of an exclusive console. Oh, it's exclusive to, yeah, exclusive to using that specific yeah. Uh, platform. Yeah, yeah. For um, I could see them maybe doing it with more of their indie stuff in Game Pass, possibly. But at the same time, I don't think they would because, especially with like Game Pass Ultimate, Microsoft's whole thing has been, hey, you can play these games on your Xbox or your PC. Like they're trying to make sure that no one is swayed specifically one way. Right. About right. It. Right. Right. And I don't so see indie game makers wanting to make their games exclusive. I see them wanting to be able to branch out as much as possible. Exactly, and it's also why I think the likes of there's a lot of indie kind of esque games in Game Pass, or they rotate in and out in fluctuation, which I feel like is a good thing because like if you have a library games for free, you might just go, oh hey, what's this? So I feel like that's good for indie developers as well. Mm. And then in one final bit of news here, Pokemon Sword and Shield are giving away free Galarian forms of Pokemon for a limited time. 
The first expansion for Sword and Shield, the Isle of Armor, is coming out next month, and the Pokemon Company is celebrating by giving away a handful of free Pokemon. Over the next few weeks, you'll be able to claim a Galarian form with a hidden ability, starting with Galarian Mr. Mime. From May 22nd to 28th, you can download a free Mr. Mime via Mystery Gift, and Mr. Mime has the Ice Body ability, which means it allows it to restore a little health every turn during hailstorms. Uh, along with with the Pokemon, you'll receive a handful of rare of gifts. Uh, in Mr. Mime's case, it is rare Pokeballs, specifically a Lore Ball, a Moon Ball, a Heavy Ball, and a Dream Ball. Uh, following Mr. Mime from May 29th to June 4th, it's a Galarian Ponita with Anticipation, and it comes with a Level Ball, a Fast Ball, a Love Ball, and a Beast Ball. Uh, June 5th to 11th is a Galarian Corsola with Cursed Body, and it, you, with that you get a Sweet Apple, a Tart Apple, both which you need to evolve Applin. Uh, a Chip Pot, a Crack Pot, a Sachet, and a Whip Dream. And on June 12th, you get Galarian Meowth with Unnerve, and that comes with 100 XP candies, large ones, and 50 big nuggets. In the meantime, the previously exclusive Gigantamax Eevee appears in Max Raid Battles until May 25th, which is today as of recording, so that's kind of pointless me saying that. But previously, the only way you could get that one was if you had saved data for Pokemon Let's Go Eevee on your Switch. Uh, another previously exclusive Pokemon, which is the Gigantamax Meowth, will appear in Max Raid Battles for a limited time after Gigantamax Eevee event ends, which is something you got for pre-ordering the game, I believe. Yeah. I think it's odd they didn't yeah. go from Eevee to Pikachu. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to die away, because I know both were there. Because if you had saved it for either one, you got one. Yeah. And I'm annoyed I forgot about the Eevee one, because today's day expires, and I'm not going to take on my Switch right now, because I've other stuff to do today. I'm right there <laughs> with you. Uh, I don't have a well, Switch. Yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel like this show is a constant reminder of that too, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, then again, I could probably buy one right now, but nah, screw that. Yeah. But yeah, that is all of the news we have for this week. So, Joe, what have you been playing recently? So, since we're running right off Pokemon, this might be a good one, unless you guys are too young to remember this <laughs> series, in which case I'm just going to feel old. But what's another show you remember around the same time as Pokemon... I'm going to imagine what you're coming yeah, up with. Yeah, I thought Digimon too. Oh, thank God. I'm not that old. <laughs> Joe, I'm older than you. I'm just about. Oh, really? Wait. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. I'm the youngest here. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay. I'm not the oldest for once. Yeah. So <laughs> I've been playing Digimon Cyber Sleuth. Oh, I heard that was oh, good. How's that? I've actually been enjoying it quite a bit. It's definitely leaning back to that whole thing. So the old idea used to be when it came down to Pokemon and Digimon. Digimon had the good show. Pokemon had the good game. Yeah. Okay. Digimon have very quickly started to push very hard in these games. Like the story in them is very interesting. Like there's a lot going on. And I don't even know how to explain the story to be totally honest. There's that much going on. But it's like, they're not afraid to delve into stuff Pokemon would never go near. Okay, like what? Uh, It would just be like mental mental health 
suicidal tendency uh, acting, yeah, that kind of stuff. The darker themes. As opposed to our yeah, most chipper, things. happy, nothing goes wrong, and when it does, we save that the day like Pokemon, Pokemon world. Yeah. yeah, Pokemon level, like Gen 1 kind of darkness. Yes, but darker. Oh. Yes, but no. Like murder plots, all that kind of stuff. Huh. Oh. Big big step up from like, like a scary, spooky town like, from Pokemon Red. Yeah, it's like that. Like, that specific one was just, like, one of the main, kind of, main story plot plot segments where, like, someone who commi- who was uh, said to have committed suicide was, like, actually murdered or something. I see. Or, or that's what I think is what's going on. Because, like, that, I've not finished the game yet, so that whole mystery's not been fully resolved. But I hmm. think it was... Uh, murder uh cover up as a suicide kind of story going on there but then like the whole combat system works as a turn-based final fantasy style where you've got your skills to attack oh okay and then you've got like your different types of digimon so you've got like three main three main types you've got virus data and vaccine types and they work like put rock paper scissors one beats the other kind of way yeah yeah but then each one also has like an element as well and then that elements work out the usual way of like water beats fire lightning shocks water that kind of stuff okay so then how would it work if they conflict like say i imagine that vaccine beats virus so what if it was like a fire vaccine and a water virus what works out so fire fire vaccine is what you're saying yeah because it's t- both of them have one thing that counteracts the other okay so what would happen in this case is damage total if you had a virus electric against a, or sorry a vaccine electric against a virus water you do mm-hmm. triple damage Okay. Because that's two advantages. If you right. only one advantage, it does two po- uh, two times the damage. Okay, right. So it as opposed to being a strong or weak, it's a okay, it's a multiplier. Yeah. So okay, right, right. the main okay, the main types of vaccine, data, and virus are the primary advantage. The elements are a lesser factor. Right. Okay. So say you have a virus up against the data type. The virus is strong against data. But say the data Digimon has an element advantage over the virus type. So if the virus, if the data type attacks, they'd normally do half damage. But with the yeah. element advantage, they'll do 7.5% of what a whole okay. normal 100% will be. Right. So your so your actual so your actual type is like a half advantage and the element's like a quarter advantage. Yeah. Okay. okay. That makes sense. Trying to explain it there is actually a lot more complicated than I thought it was. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. That, I yeah, just that have to sense. play it to better understand it. It's fun. It can be a bit repetitive at times, but like you're working as like a cyber cyber detective at the same time. So like your main base of operation is just this little detective agency. Yeah. 
That's You've amazing. got your notice board with all your like your little missions that you do as like side quests, which is actually pretty hmm. cool. Hmm. Not bad. No, it sounds it. And then a lot of like the Digimon you'd have seen when you're growing up as a kid off the shows are all there for you to use and stuff, which is actually fun. One of the biggest problems with it though, I will say, there's no translated version in regards to like oh. the voices. So it's it's all them? it's all subtitled, yeah. Ah, so it's probably one of its biggest biggest deterrence for people is probably going to be that okay well i mean yakuza does well and that's the same they tried dubbing the first yakuza and that yeah. went horribly <laughs> no, that was awful let's not talk about that it, it, it was like saints row if um they tripled the amount of unnecessary cursing which is a lot already <laughs> mark hamill was a character though and he was actually he was good. yeah majima who stuck to the crazy yeah he was which mark isn't hamill far was off his joker voice which makes sense that man's voice is a treasure oh <laughs> no, but that sounds that sounds pretty cool, Joe. Besides that, it's just been playing mobile games. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's fair. I like playing fake uh, Grand Order. Oh, oh, I would have guessed. So, boy, what have you been playing? So, it's a game I recently got back into, and it's building me up for the sequel that has that's gonna come out. It's I I think it's exclusively or one of the launch games for Xbox Series X. It's um. Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Have any of you heard it? Can't say I've I heard of it. I can't say I've seen anything like of it gameplay wise. Uh, the gameplay is a bit uh, well, combat in it is a bit wonky, but I'll I'll delve into that later. So basically, Vampire the Masquerade, the first one, it's released around 2004. It runs on like the Source engine, so you'd see a lot of similarities with Half Life. But it's basically. Um, You've just been turned into a vampire, but what they call the sires, which is basically the vampires that turn you into vampires, and then you're. Oh, I do know this game. Sorry, boy. I do. Yeah. No, I don't. Sorry. I don't. No, no. It's, it's okay. I'm just going into details. So you turn into a vampire, and you're brought forward to this vampire society. So uh, unofficial siring is illegal. So they cut off the head of your sire, but you're left to live. And then it turns out that once you're spared you are set out on a bunch of missions by basically the prince of the vampire society for your area. And what follows is basically just a whole storyline of how deep does this bloodline go and what exactly does this prince want you to do along like cooperating with other vampires. But basically what I love about this like vampire series is that it likes to parody uh, traits of like vampire stories, but at the same time, it also likes to... Um, you know make them more interesting so like you have several types of vampire types you could be you could be like the normal vampire the charming vampires or like the more shadowy vampires or like the nose for rock question boy. yeah go ahead is this the game that has the lust stat yeah okay wait there's a what stat there's a lust stat. a lust stat so yeah once playing this game you'll realize <laughs> <laughs> yeah once playing this game, you realize you're going to have to seduce a lot of people. There's literally three types of, like, uh, conversation pointers. So you know how in Fallout there's intimidation, uh, speech, and I think there's another one, persuade? Yeah. yeah. In this, there's uh, persuasion, intimidation, and seduction. This game's all interesting. So it's not like 18 plus stuff. It's literally just using humans or like say you want to convince your fellow vampires that you want to um, 
go along with this. Like, it gets you through the conversation without any combat. So you seduce anyone. Not ex- so it's so it, it effectively is persuasion to just call it seduction. It's a sexier persuasion, yeah, but you can use it to charm a humans. Sexier per- a sexier persuasion. <laughs> a sexier Joke, persuasion. Can that be episode title? There you go. Um, so yeah, you can use on humans to like get their blood, which of course you'll need blood as a vampire game. But there are two stats. There's like your health points and your blood. Your blood essentially lets you use um, vampire abilities, and oh. the other is typically sounds help. like Bloodborne. Yeah, in a way. But, um, yeah, as I was saying, there's, like, clans and types of vampires. I was about to say Nosferatu vampires, which is just literally the Nosferatu vampires. But they're so... You mean, in- like, they look like the one from the film, or...? They look like the ones in the film. Nice. But you're so ugly, you literally have to traverse the each city in the game through the sewers. Ah, uh, that sounds like no fun. It's no fun, but, like, if you do interact with anyone, they'll just straight up say, Oh my god, you're ugly. <laughs> never mind i'm playing is that one <laughs> so like there's also different types of immersive yeah it's very immersive there's different types of clans so there's like the nobility ones the re- rebels the anarchy ones i think they're the bruja yeah the bruja what a name there's the sabbat which is like kind of the anarchy guys but they don't care what happens so they'll just side with whoever you know the traitor kind of class mm. and there's the um Basically, the sexy vampires. Of you follow what I mean? So, <laughs> this game is an RPG, so it relies on you using, like, weapons or conversations or, like, special techniques, like investigation or um, perception. All that jazz helps you, like, get more items or convince more people. You know, makes the game easier, you know what I mean? So, would it be yeah. kind of like let's say a Skyrim or Fallout or games like that where you've like multiple multiple routes you can take of how the story will unfold yeah okay so could you do like let's say I think it's Undertale have it where you could literally just do a run where you kill everyone yeah pretty much sweet but you'll have to be good at combat there are two types of combat that I have discovered there's melee which I found I mastered in so instead of shooting everything in my sight, I just punch them and it stuns them and it just sends them flying in the air. It's fantastic. Sounds like fun. Then you get your guns, which is basically you can go from like shotgun or pistol or whatever. Combat's a little weird. It's not exactly like first person. You have to be in third person, but the cursor goes crazy and you have to make sure you aim directly at the person all the while they're shooting back. So it messes up your cursor. So you'll have to go back to it again. So... In my case, I just shoot blindly. I just got images of Vincent Valentine from like Final Fantasy VII in my head right now because of the guns and vampires. <laughs> That's a good comparison, actually. But um, yeah, throughout the game, it's basically made on its story. So the story is like Cain, the biblical Cain, was the first ever vampire. And like these vampires have passed down from his generations of sons. And the main quest is just to dis- uncover a sarcophagus that contains like an ancient vampire that the guy you're working for wants, but no one trusts him. He basically comes from a clan that was basically extinct, but came back to maintain order. So I'm going to go ahead and guess the ancient sarcophagus is, is Dracula. 
You'd think that. you think that, but they could be like a, a grandson of Cain or just like a great-grandson. Basically, the ancients are the most powerful vampires, and the vampires you deal with today are just normal dudes who happen to have vampiric powers. Uh, okay. So, I just like to have a story. You can also interact with other characters, and they delve deeper into like the lore of the world, uh, what you have to do, who you want to trust... And it just comes up with the funniest kind of characters. Phil Lamar plays like two of my favorite uh, characters in this game. One's just a seller called Big Larry. And the other is just a doctor who's so impatient he'll tell you to go away if you find him. <laughs> he sees you walking. Come away. Go away. Go away. Your surgery is due next week. Even though I've never interacted with him, with him before. But yeah, speaking of also stealth, you can also use stealth in this game to get specific keys or treasures or just avoid interaction with anybody. So it's like one of those games. Is there oh. any limitations on like the world? Like, could you like move by a rooftop and stuff like that? No, it strictly has you walking on the ground throughout the cities. Oh, okay, or in the sewers. You think it'd be one of those games where you could like parkour or interact with anything, but no. At best, there are, like, um, areas within the game that are specific to the story, which you can, like, sneak around uh, guards or enemies, or you could just go in and kill them all. Oh, uh, okay. But, um, yeah, I've been playing that. The sequel is going to come out later this year, Vampire Masquerade 2 Bloodlines, which I really hope um, continues with the style and charisma, because, like, it's one of those games that... It has more character and story than what it's presenting through gameplay. Yeah. You really have to play it to see it for yourself. It, it's fantastic. It, it, it really relies on your character being good at this, or if you're not good at that, well, then good luck. I gotcha. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's basically Vampire Masquerade. There's, like, loads of stuff to cover in it, but you can get it on Steam for, like, I think 15 to 20 euros. Probably wait for the summer sale, and it might drop, or publisher sale. Well, I know there is a big um, Steam sale. Um, I'm not sure, is it an extra one, or is it just an expansion of their usual one for uh, Jeff Keighley's um, Summer Game Fest? Could be. Which we talked about before. Yeah. There's definitely going to be a sale to sponsor that, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. I think I think I'm thinking it's like an independent one of their regular summer sale, or it might be an extension of uh, their summer sale or an expanded one. Ah, uh, yeah. It. Well, I mean, because it's going to specifically include things as well that are being showcased at the summer game yeah. fest. I'd say it's definitely up there for being sale, probably like 70 percent off, just to give you a good background before you buy the sequel. Hmm. Yeah, probably. But yeah, that was Vampire Masquerade. Cool. Sounds interesting. Uh, I like how I vaguely, as you started describing, I was like, wait, I do know this game. <laughs> I've seen something about this before. I thought it was it, weird. It's a cult game, so you'd like hear bits and pieces yeah. about it. What I, what I was doing for this week was what I call uh, the Ghosts of Crossplay Past, in that um, I went back and I finished Nier Automata. Oh, wow. Oh, wait, my God. Like, wait, how many all routes? The There's a lot of routes there. Yeah. As in, I finished all five main routes. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. See, all the rest of them after the five are just kind of little joke things like. Uh, yeah, like, it's like there's one for every letter of the alphabet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's only A to E are actual endings. 
like story endings the rest of them are all kind of like oh you ate this fish and it made like the vital uh, fluids in your body congeal so you die mm. that's literally one of the endings it can be weird for that though too in the basis of it can be like oh head back to the main scene right now something's happening and it it wants you to go a route it's never shown you before but it doesn't tell you that so when I went running back the route I had come from, it then went, okay, you achieved a new ending. They ran off and they deserted and uh, the world went to ruin. The end. <laughs> I'm just like, where did you want me to go? Oh, okay, no, I can go this way. No, it's interesting. Um, definitely because obviously when I talked about it last, I'd only played the first playthrough. So I only had ending A. And that obviously leaves a lot to be like, what did I just play? Like, Fun gameplay, but you're sitting there going, "What was the story?" I don't, I didn't see a lot of story. I found and the playthrough for ending B annoying only because you're mostly playing through the same story you've played already as 9S because 9S is with 2B so much, with little variations of times when he's not with her, but or or occasional extra cutscenes. So the main issue was that as well as that is like 9S because uh, he, he's meant to be a scanner model not a combat model or a battle model rather he doesn't have a secondary weapon so instead of having a heavy attack for him you have a hacking attack which then puts you into a mini game like a little kind of like shooter bullet heli kind of mini game to hack enemies and, and that's the best most effective way of doing damage because it does chunks of damage and it just felt really repetitive to a point that I was just sitting there holding Y, shoot the ball, hold Y, and it, it just got very kind of repetitive playing as him after a while. So I wasn't huge on it. But then by the time... It had some interesting... Like, it's interesting. It's an interesting mechanic. But it just... It was... I found it eh. But then... Uh, getting playthrough... Getting endings C and D is interesting because the game takes a, 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 a weird turn. Like, Joker virus level turn. So you, you play as 2B for the first part, right? fair enough, that's fine. And then you, it finally lets you play as A2. And A2 is fun. I like A2. A2 has her own designated button for taunting. <laughs> the best kind of character um, to taunt. Uh, and also, you have um, plug-in chips, which are equivalent to your abilities, and you obviously only have a certain amount of equipment at once, that basically say things like, um, oh, when you taunt for X amount of seconds afterwards, uh, you do 180% damage. I suppose that she doesn't have a self-destruct mode because she's an older model. She has what's called Berserker mode, which means she constantly loses health, but she does like triple her normal damage output. Which mm. meant I just changed all my plug-in chips for her to be all... Um, when you kill an enemy, you regain this percentage of health, and then if you don't get hit for six seconds, you regain this percentage of health per second. So, that solved that problem. Um, not that I used Berserkum a lot, because I found I didn't need to. An interesting thing I realized, which I brought up last time, was that I said that some enemies, it was weird that an enemy could be a level under me, and I wiped a floor at them. An enemy could be the same level as me, and it takes me a good five five minutes to actually kill them, even though they're not doing damage to me. 
And I think it was Joe you did ask was that I hadn't upgraded my weapons. What I've learned is, because the enemy was the same level when I went back to the area later, it's almost like the enemy has a full set of dialogue they need to get through so they make your damage to it less. Oh, it's so it's cutscene set or something like that. It's it's yeah, it's it's like it's almost like it has a shield like this blocking a chunk of my damage output so that it can get through its whole scripted part. I think. What? Of of dialogue. Okay, fair enough, but that's kind of annoying. Yeah. Which it does, and that's what it seems. Because when I went back there, it was the same level in the second picture. It, it was the same level, and I was like level forty-eight at that point. It was like twenty-two, and the same thing still happened. Like I still killed it faster, yes, but it still had the time to get through its all its dialogue stuff. Other than that, the only difference between ending like C and D is depends on you play as A two and nine S, and you can play as them in any order. Um. And it just depends on who you play as for the final five of the game. Thankfully, by completing one of those endings, it then gives you uh, a chapter select mode, which means you can go straight back to that exact moment and have to replay your whole thing again. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. Change, which is nice. Um, it also gives you a debug mode, which means you can like spawn in random enemies and stuff, which is fun. Ooh. The prerequisite being you can't save the game again until you load a save. So to stop you like screwing with the game. And cheating through it. Boo. Um, Boo. Yeah. Yeah, I am um, not a fan of 9S. Like A2 a lot. Liked A2's story a lot. Um, ending C is A2's ending as such, and then ending D is 9S's. And then to get ending E, it's interesting. To get ending E, you need to get ending D, which is 9S's, and then it'll make out like the pods are erasing all the data on Yorha. And then 2B's pod will just go, wait, no, I don't want to do this. Do you want to initiate data recovery? And it actually, it'll actually pause the cred sequence and until you make an option. And if you say yes, it'll go, this is a, has a low chance of success. You sure want to do it. If you confirm it, it puts you into the credits again, but the credits as a bullet hell game. Oh, and the credits are a bullet hell game, and uh, but uh, but it's one of those cases where all the individual like names are letting off projectiles, but you can shoot those projectiles as well as the names. But then all the headers, so like company names or specific departments, are the ones that have also put out the the projectiles you can't destroy. So like they're the ones you need to prioritize. And in order to get anything here, you need to get the whole way through the credits. Oh, oh are long. Now, that is long. Now, now, it checkpoints, which is nice. Oh, okay, that, that is nice. Bad. Yeah, it does checkpoints. Um, and there's an interesting thing that every time you, if every time you die, it shows you a message from someone who's finished it, like as a, as a thing of encouragement. And then when you finish it, it asks you, "Do you want to make one of those?" Did you make one? Um, make one of what? I did. It basically, every time you die, it shows you a message of encouragement from another player who was beaten it. Oh. But here's the interesting thing as well, is that after I died maybe six times, I was getting really close. It was like, oh, do you, um, 
do you want to accept rescue assistance from X gamertag or whatever? And I was like, yeah, sure. And what that does is, if you imagine, obviously, your little, your, um, your little icon you're controlling, your little shooter, is literally just like a triangle. You get like six of them revolving around you also firing with you, which makes it a lot easier. Uh-huh. Now, what I then learned was, um, when you finish the game, you get, a, you get the last cutscene, you get your ending E, that's great. It then says, it asks you, do you want to make the message? And then it goes, do you want to give the option to rescue our player? And I went, yeah, fuck it, sure. You know what? Um, I When it got through, because someone did it, I was like, yeah, sure. And it goes, I was sure I want to do this. This will forfeit your save. And I went, excuse me? And I went, no, I heard oh, about this. Yeah. I went, and I'm sitting there going, okay, yeah, sure. And it goes, are you sure? Like, you, 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 you will not... Um, you uh, will you 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 you've unlocked this this and this and you will lose it. And I was like, okay, go for it. At this point, I'm thinking, okay, this is either fifty fifty going to be it's going to delete my save, or it's going to go. Good job, you made a leap of faith for a good reason. You're good, and here's this thing you can have. Um, so then it goes, okay, are you sure? Like the person um might need to acknowledge it. Sure, you get nothing from this. Sure, and it keeps asking you like, one last time, you're sure? I went yes, and it goes, okay, cool. And it shows me this, like, cinematic of it, like, erasing all the pause menus. And then with the last one being the save data menu. Puts it back to the main menu. The menu itself, the actual screen has changed. And I did erase my save. And I, it's not even an achievement. Like, I was finished the game anyway. Like, I literally uninstalled it after I turned it off at that point because I was done with it. But I'm like, huh, it actually committed. Interesting. Can't believe um, it. I don't know how I would have reacted to that. If I would have kept going, or would I have been like, no, that, that's mine. But yeah, I was curious too. What, what, what was it like? Are they actually going to do it, or is it like a leap of faith type thing? Where it's like, cool. Like, you know, you're a selfless person. Good. We're just going to give you this thing instead of actually erasing your save. So, one of the first things you do in your first playthrough is that. Um. After the first, you know how like in games, like you do your tutorial and it shows you use everything, and then it has to find a way to reset you so you can't have everything. Yeah. So Aww. its logic to it, its logic to it, and this was is that all the Yorha androids have black boxes, which are essentially like little nuclear reactors. Okay. So. As you do. <laughs> yeah. So um, not after the tutorial, nine S and two B are damaged, and they have these massive. Machines come around, so they use their black detonator black box to destroy them, and therefore they're in a, uh, they're put back into new bodies. Now at this point, 9S is put in charge of 2B's maintenance. So your first thing you do after this uh, in your first playthrough as 2B is you're looking at a black screen and you get subtitles of like nine of 9S um, telling you, "Oh, okay, we need to recalibrate all your settings." First thing you do is set your brightness. And then I realize, what you realize is that if you actually start moving your D-pad, you are actually controlling the brightness. Your brightness just turned off. And then next thing you get you to do is, okay, now um, uh, you need to uh, fix your audio settings so you can hear me. And then the louder you put them, you, so you start to hear the voice from the subtitle. And then he walks you through all these settings you need to set up. Um, when you replay that part as, as in the second playthrough as 9S, it actually recorded my screen of me doing that to then play the exact thing back to me for the second playthrough. 
Oh, that's cool. That was nice. So, so you see me mess with the sound settings over and back because he keeps talking, but he changes what he says. So he gets to the point where he's going, uh, ma'am, do you mind uh, finishing up? Me talking out loud like this is kind of embarrassing. So you see me, I only realize like you see me screw with the audio settings. And then you see me screw with the self-destruct settings. Because uh, he keeps making comments on it. I was like, oh, that's literally my, me doing it. That's just, it's, re- it's just remembrance playing it back to me. <laughs> for like, <laughs> But when you do it the first time, 9S even says, just so you know, I'm recording this for posterity. So it tells you it. You just assume it's just a line, an off-cast line. It's very cool. So I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, so. That's a nice feature. That, um, so yeah, uh, all in all, now that I finish it near, uh, very good. Uh very good game i would definitely recommend it and uh it takes a while to get through especially and the second uh, getting ending b is definitely tedious in sections or just like you're kind of just like grinding through the same kind of stuff but it's not the worst and i feel like they put in enough little extra bits from times nine s's and with 2b to kind of keep you playing it and not put it down as such uh yeah, but and then after ending B, it, it, it tonally it shifts. So yeah, no, it's uh, very good. I'm all about it. It's also all on Game Pass, so you know Xbox players, there you go, it's free. But yeah, so that was my game of the week, and looking at time, I think it's about time we wrapped up, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me yet again. No problem. No problem. For anyone listening, if you have comments, questions, suggestions for the show, you can get in contact with us uh, via the Vox Radio Facebook page. That's Vox V-O-X-X Radio. And yeah, until next time, guys, take care.